I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph and Remy Martin. Coming up, we will obviously be rounding up the opening weekend of European rugby in the Champions and Challenge Cup and we'll speak to the former Ireland hooker Shane Byrne after Leinster made an impressive start to the defence of their title. Worcester head coach Rory Duncan will join us also to discuss their Challenge Cup win over Stade Francais in Paris. First, I'm joined this week by the former England and Gloucester winger, James Simpson-Daniel. Hello, James. How are you? Hi, Brian. Really well, thank you. Good man. Well, look, let's start where most of the papers started. I don't think Freddie Burns realised that he was playing on the first European Cup weekend, but there were no football fixtures to take his mishap, shall we say, off the front of the back pages, and they did go for him. Like, if you didn't see this, basically what Mm. happened... Bath are two points down. You go into the last five minutes, Burns has a kick right in front of the post. No kick is necessarily easy, but as they go, it was. <laughs> yes, hit the post, um, didn't make anything of it. But I did write this and I said, look, he still had the wherewithal to make the break and mm. what for what would have been a, a probably, in all probability, you can't guarantee it, a winning try. But in showboating over the line, both in terms of pointing his finger and, I hate this, grabbing the badge, <laughs> having been... Yeah, you know. Did you never do and that, Brian? Before no, I did no. not. No, we shook hands. After <laughs> yeah. we and you know, he went to put the ball down one-handed. Medar came around the back, knocked his arm, and it went begging. And look, people were saying to me, you know, what would you have said to him? And I said, well, I, I just said, um, do you think that was the wisest thing in retrospect? And possibly you ought to do it different next time, not in those terms necessarily. But look, you. He knew what he'd done, didn't he, straight away. But yeah. this has been waiting to happen. It has, and I must admit, I was the type of player that, you know, I'd never celebrate, probably because I'd never any good celebration moves <laughs> to do, but yeah. I'd dot the ball down, run back to my position, get ready for the restart, and people say, well, that's the classic answer, but that's what I used to do. I think with Freddie's situation, it's all the pointers you made. It was the last five minutes they were losing. He misses the kick. He hits the post from bang in front when he'd have, yeah. you know, that would have probably been enough to get them ahead and, and maybe win the match. And then the try would have been a nicely taken try, as you say, but it was the the pre-celebration and whatever else. And as you mentioned when we were off air before, you know, Tom Homer's had a similar situation, mm. well, kind of similar earlier in the season. And uh, and I do believe, haven't, hasn't someone come out, um, hasn't Priestland said that, you know, this is something we need to address as a club because it's happened a few times now. Well, I think, um, I think they've officially banned them. Right. Banned showboating. Also, look, I, <coughs> I don't like this. I'm an old git. I understand that. But the fact is that the excessive celebration of 
Um, not just tries, especially with choreographed things I don't mm. like. You know, see, things off the cuff, I understand that. But now, when you're getting, you know, backs running into forwards on after scrums have gone their way and people, you know, high-fiving them, make sure that after one simple turnover, not necessarily in the last minute to win the game. And mm. so, like, Mari told you the stuff that, you know, people were criticising him for. Yeah. Now, at some point, I think rugby is going to have to bring a no-no-taunting law like there is in the NFL. Because as you know, when you've done something wrong, the last thing you want is someone patting you on the head or the back or yeah. you know making a comment because you're naturally going to react and it's very difficult not to and they know what they're doing. And it, to me, I can't see what that sort of thing adds to the game. No, and I think what you're seeing though is some sides try to bring that side to give them energy levels. You mm. know, you'll see Saracens will always do it. Every time there's a turnover they're celebrating like it's been a try. Um, up, up to a certain point the other day in the Gloucester game versus Cass, Cass were doing it quite a lot. Mm. Every single time there was a knock on they were all cheering and high-fiving and, and I don't know if it's more to get under the opposition's skin or if it's to try and keep the energy within their group. But does that really say, work if uh, does it work as energy within your group if you know what you've done? I mean, I well, not for me standing on the wing talking to the linesman, <laughs> no. but, for, but for forwards, they really? might they might love that. You know, they're yeah. all if something happens, it's the same way if someone gets a nice turnover. Again, not something I ever did, but you see a back rower does a turnover, and all the players are all over him cheering, and oh. and you wonder how much there is to keep him going, keep the atmosphere buzzing, and how oh. much it's actually to really irritate the opposition and try and provoke a reaction. Oh. Um, there could be a combination of both. But I do, I must admit, I'm a little bit old school. I, I tend to agree with you. There's got to be a certain point where you draw the line here. And the main one, actually, on the try celebration is if you want to celebrate, do it after you score the try. Yeah, Dot the ball down and then yeah. do your somersaults and whatever else. <laughs> yeah. Don't be doing it and then give yourself the position to drop the ball. I imagine that Todd Blackadder, as coach, as a Kiwi, mm. is particularly excised by this because yeah. this is not Kiwi at all. Yeah. And he would want that discipline. And. If anything, if there is anything that Bath have lacked over the last few seasons with regard to their inconsistency, this is a problem. Not just in, I'm talking about try celebrations, but I'm talking, you know, about discipline in doing things right, not stepping offside, yeah. not putting your hand in there, yeah. not letting go of the ball when you should, mm. and stuff like that. Mm. He would have absolutely hated it, you can imagine. Now I was going to ask you, actually, what was your view on the way he took him off with three or four minutes to go? Was that because he could see he was shot? And what if he got another shot at goal? Could he miss it again? Or was he making a point? Or was there another I don't know. Unfortunately yeah. for Freddie Burns, and I don't dislike the guy, I think yeah. at least he had the, the bottle to, to make the break after the yeah. crushing disappointment of missing the kick. So I would say that. But I, whichever it was, he can't complain because... He caused the situation. I, I don't know which it was. It might have been a bit of both, actually. It was brutal, but then again, you, you can't say it wasn't self-inflicted. No, and the point is there is, up to us, considering Blackadder's seen Homer do it once this season, um, or whenever it was last season, whatever it was, uh, it's almost quite difficult when that is basically Europe gone for your side now. You've got to win your home matches. Yeah. They're in a hellish group. All the groups are pretty hard. Yeah. You're thinking, well, that is Europe over and I've seen this happen before, it's probably very difficult to stick your arm around him. I think what has been pretty good, apart from some of the media, I think on social media, I think the general public, he's fronted up. He's come mm. out and said, look, there's great days in rugby and there's yep. horror and credit days. To him, credit to him for doing yeah, that. And he's, and he's faced up and he's, you know, he's made his own bed. He knows it. And he said, look, that was a shocker for me. He'll, he'll never be able to live that down. Probably he'll never celebrate again pre, pre-try <laughs> um, if he gets a chance to score any more tries. Um, but, but, but he has fronted up. And I think a lot of the community haven't rinsed him. They've, they've yeah. said, yes, awful mistake. But look, it happens. We've seen it happen to top players. Yeah. 
Well, I'm pleased to say we are now joined by a legend, the former Ireland hooker Shane Burnham after Leinster made an impressive start to their title. I wonder what he has to say about them. Good evening, Shane. How are you doing, Brian? OK, let's start with Leinster cracking demolition of Wasps. Uh, some people were saying you could substitute this squad for the Irish squad. Is that hype or are they that good? <laughs> well, I think James Lowe might have a couple of words to say about that. But yes, the standard that they played at was absolutely unbelievable. If as defending champions, they didn't have a target marked on them already for uh, going forward in every game that they play this year, they certainly do now. It was a real statement of intent and loads of changes made as they always do coming into the game. But they still, that strength in the squad is absolutely immense. And it just looks like that train is keep on rolling. If you were facing them and the unenviable task of trying to plot their downfall, what would you think you might try and do? I suppose the only way you would do it is that any time that they've coughed and spluttered this season so far has been when the set piece hasn't worked well. But anything that's kind of went awry at the start of the season, they've seemed to iron out those crinkles in it already. You know, you would say keep the ball away from them, but they seem to, like they've played so many games where they've had very little possession and they have absolutely very patient, aggressive, blanket defence. And they're using that as a, I suppose the old cliche, the offensive defensive weapon. And, you know, they're just ticking every box as it seems every game that goes forward. They're just, somebody else is putting up their hand. And the biggest problem, I suppose, Leo Cullen has, which is a fine headache to have, is the fact is to keep that squad hungry, keep everybody really wanting to go for the team. But when you have so many players only going for, as you know, 15 starters, it seems that that's just naturally happening. Shane, it's James here. Hi, mate. Hey, buddy. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. I just wanted to um, switch over a little bit, if we could just mention Munster for a second, because looking at the domestic form this season, we haven't really seen that performance. But against Exeter on the weekend, the intensity was magnificent. What do you make of that? I think that's the word. Yeah, you had it there, intensity. I, I, it was unexpected, I have to say, to tell you the truth. It was a, on paper, that was a really, really daunting task. As you know, Exeter were six from six during the season in the Premiership and looking very, very strong. And Munster just went over and rediscovered some of the, look, we all know their pedigree in the European Cup is, is absolutely huge. And they just really dug back into that. And they just stood toe for toe with them. And, and I suppose from a Munster point of view, they'd be ruining a few missed opportunities. But honestly, to head over to Exeter in the form that they're in and to nick two points is just fantastic. And Shane, let's look at uh, Ulster against the Leicester Tigers. Neither f- side particularly in great form going in to that. Uh, what do you think that win will do for Ulster's season? Yeah, it really gets them going. I, Ulster seem to really have, in the last four or five seasons, they have a massive hoodoo against other Irish sides. And there's always the couple of Interpros leading in, the, whole, the domestic games leading into the... European Cup, which is always great for most of the other provinces because they get a real ding-dong battle. But Ulster just seemed to unravel. So they really have to pull it back together again for Europe. And they did, in, in fairness to them. It wasn't the cleanest game, wasn't the prettiest by either side, but Ulster managed to pull it together. As we've seen so many times in, in the European Cup, that two sides are kind of joint at the hip and barely go a season without meeting. And that's certainly Ulster and Leicester at the moment. Would you be so confident as to say that uh, you would install Leinster as favourites for the uh, title, even at this early stage? 
Uh, yeah, I suppose, look, it, it, you know, try not to be biased in it, but, you know, if you were going purely on form and you were looking at those stats, the two eyebrow raisers really were the, the Munster heading to Exeter and then what Leinster did to Wasps. I think definitely, you know, Leinster are showing with that squad that they have and even with the changes that it's just the machine has kept going and that's exactly what needed to be said I suppose from their point of view was that look we're here we're defending champions we know we have to be at our best and this is what you're going to have to be Shane thank you for joining us we'll leave it there let you get on your flight and be safe okay yeah. thanks buddy Cheers, take uh, care good man thank you Shane Byrne the former Irish hooker and uh, I don't know if the comment about them being interchangeable with the national side is quite uh, there, but it's not far off, James, is it? When you look at the depth, it's really not far off. No, absolutely. I think it was probably quite important that Munster did bring something this weekend yes. because otherwise it would have been such yeah. a one-sided affair. Everyone's been saying, well, chuck the Leinster lads in the Irish yeah. jersey. But yeah. yeah, as I said, that intensity of that, we'll probably get onto that in a bit, but the intensity of that Munster side to be able to do that in Europe. People said, well, don't be surprised if they bring in their A game to Europe. And But looking at their form so far in the domestic league, you just couldn't see it coming. But no. that intensity was just another level. Well, Gloucester, uh, you were at Gloucester, weren't you? Yeah. Gloucester Castra. Um, similar teams in terms of their rankings in their respective domestic leagues. Mm-hmm. This is a game which Gloucester might have lost in previous seasons, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And I think I think the important thing is, there was a couple of points I was trying to make yesterday. I was talking to my old man on the way home from the game and traditionally Gloucester would find a way of losing that match yeah. and actually later in the game Cast were better weren't they yeah. first half Gloucester were very one-sided I thought Cast in the second half they almost once they they almost felt they had a chance they showed their experience you know they're French champions aren't they so you know they showed their even though they had rested players they showed that ability to be able to stay into games and win matches Gloucester would have wanted that to be a two-score game. They'd have loved it to be an eight-pointer just for the security because they have got experience of losing tight matches. But in Europe, you might not have that luxury. Get your four points. That's what they did. There wasn't a lot of bonus point try um, victories this weekend. No. And I think the important thing was four points in the bank and then go go over to Ireland to play Munster this weekend. I want to talk about two performances in particular. Naturally, Danny Cipriani yeah. is there he's front, in front of Eddie Jones. I don't know whether Jones still has this preternatural preference for George Ford and is going to stick with it. Mm. You would have to say this season, Cipriani's form has been very good. He's consistent. Yeah. Game management's been good. It was the other day. The other day again. Yeah. And, um, well, it's a very straightforward question. Do you think he'll be in the squad? Uh, my answer is no. I think I think the more you try and squeeze Eddie Jones, the more he's going to push back against you, personally. And we've seen that with instances of Hartley over the years and, and Mike Brown when okay. maybe the form hasn't been where people would have wanted as supporters. Um, I think with Danny Cipriani, I don't think he's going to be in his plans unless there's an injury. Mm-hmm. But just to elaborate a little bit on his game the other day, a couple of the pointers I noticed... His game management was excellent. The, the the pitch was in atrocious condition. It was, yeah. It was, it, it, the grass was great, but there was just it was standing water. We'd taken a lot of rain, but he knew when to turn the opposition to push it in behind them. Mm-hmm. And equally with ball in hand, what he was very good at, and I don't know if you noticed, he was giving the ball carriers the ball early so they yes. could make rather than doing line balls when you can cough at the ball and knock it on. Yeah, so he had a chance to actually grab it this time because it does take that extra little bit of effort, doesn't it, when the weather? You, give the ball into your hands if you're about to carry into two tacklers. Give it into your hands early and let you get comfortable with riding that challenge and I think that was very good and his decision making all round was just pretty solid you know yeah the odd time you could have if you're being ultra critical you said could he have kept that in hand or not but I feel on a whole in those conditions I thought he managed it really well 
And Ben Morgan, who was previously featured mm. as number eight, had a, a great game. And bearing in mind now the unfortunate injury to um, Billy Vinopola, yeah, yeah. Hughes is out suspended, mm. Simmons as well. So, you know, you're looking at different choices. Um, whether or not he thought he might be, his form is, is good. Mm. Um, possibility for him? That was as good a game as I've seen him have in a long time, to be fair. I don't know if it was wearing the captain's armband or um, having Eddie Jones there or he woke up and, you know, with a real bit of hunger about him. But that was yeah. the day to do it, wasn't it? Eddie was in yeah. the crowd, probably thinking afterwards, right, well, we're looking for a number eight. He ticks the boxes. He's a big lump of a guy mm-hmm. and he's a traditional number eight. He's not a seven, he's not a six. Yep. He's an out-and-out eight. Just on the back row, by the way, I thought Pelledri again was very good. Yep. You know, he's, he's great for Italy, for Italy and uh, I just hope he stays fit and continues his form. Well, we mentioned the injuries to, uh, well, both Billy Puller brothers. I don't know what on earth is going on there. It must be terribly frustrating for Billy Puller. This time I think it's a different arm as well. Um, but another 12 weeks out, having got back and actually come back almost seamlessly, which is difficult to do, I thought that Saracens, they look, irrespective of whatever attacking threats they've got, they neutralise Glasgow fairly well. Yeah. Glasgow, as we know, have got a fairly potent attack and both sides have scored hatfuls of tries before coming in. And he was a typical Sarri's away performance and not many sides are able to do that. No, and I think, again, we talked. We, we can talk a little bit about the standout performance of the weekend. I think the intensity level of the Exeter and uh, Munster game was another level above, mm. say, the the Leicester match, for example, yes, and, and the Ulster. You, know, you, could, you could see the sides that have that X-factor ability about them, the, the real intensity, and I think Saracens... The pressure they can put on the opposition, the squeeze they do, the tackle areas, the way they manage the game. Um, the, the, every when they're playing in European rugby, they're playing every game like it's a cup final to me. You know, they'll box kick from on the halfway line just to squeeze the catcher and feed off the um, the mistakes. I just think that. Yes, the scoreline was 13-3. I just think it was a very solid, pretty yeah. comfortable performance. Well, what I noticed, if, I mean, this defensive effort, whatever you call it, Wolfpack or whatever silly name mm. you want to call it, <laughs> the fact is it's been several, if not you know, seven or more years in the making to get mm. to this point, to which, even though the primary line breaks, they wouldn't have wanted to concede, but Glasgow have done that against a lot of people and yeah. scored. When you saw the scramble defence, quite often, and I went back and looked at this and counted, mm. you've got as many Saracens defenders running back to defend as you have players running in support. Now, that usually hardly ever happens because for some reason, well, it is just much more difficult, isn't it? You have to, you have to turn, uh, but also it's the, the effort levels. You've really got to want to get back in a situation where you might think, oh, God, it's hopeless. I, I, yeah. you know, what am I going to do? There's several sides that you can think of that as soon as they're busted as a line break, you're quite confident they're probably going to concede within a couple of phases. Mm. Saris, I'll tell you what Saris are as well. They're very rugby clever. And what I mean is, as you say, they'll all turn and work their socks off to, to run backwards. But they're not just guessing. They're being streetwise. Oh. Alex Good knows how to buy time when he's at fullback for someone to maybe get to the carrier and he'll mark the second man. And mm-hmm. I just think that their rugby brains are really on, yeah. on board there. And, and there's a massive buying, collective buying of, of that ability to address a situation when it has gone against you. Well, when you're talking about this job that Gusted has to do at Quinns mm. and that he did for England, which is part you know, work in progress, 
it's got to the stage, as you say, it's become inculcated. So it's not just a question of effort and thinking. Some of it's instinctive because they just know now. Yeah. Their jobs when they're going backwards, and as they well. get, as you say, they get used to it, don't they? They, yeah. they? they probably work it in training. Right, line bust. How do we react now? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the wingers are actually rather than just charging back in their own channel, they'll be almost plugging a gap between the fullback and the winger. And and I think that's just a streetwiseness that they've taught themselves good habits, and they've yeah. taught themselves streetwise habits. Yeah. Well, possibly uh, the outstanding result, although Toulon are not the side that won the uh, Champions Cup or Heineken Cup as it was then three years in a row but still a, a, an outfit and down at Stade Mayol never an easy prospect I must admit I thought Newcastle would raise the game for this but I didn't expect to win I, I felt exactly the same thing I thought that I think the hand, I think they were giving Newcastle a sort of a 17 point head start and I thought you know what we haven't seen it from Newcastle this season so far but last season they were very very good and actually this is the game that Yes, I don't think they'll beat Toulon, but they could just rattle them for a little bit, and they did more than that, and fair play to them. As you said, you know, they're probably not getting the credit they deserve because that is probably nearly as standout a performance as, as um, the Leinster one in its own strange way. Yeah. Uh, what do you think that will do for their season? Because they found themselves at the wrong end completely, mm. the bottom of the Premiership. Having said that, their uh, losses have not been by great margins. I just wonder if this is the sort of thing that just gives them a little bit of kick uh, when it comes to domestic performances? I think it will, Brian. I think also they've got s- such a good structure in their management with Dave Walder, Dean Richards. You know, the, the, the guys that are in charge there, they've, they've got a really good environment by the looks of it, looking mm. from the outside in. They don't seem a fickle side. You're not, they're not the side, but side that will, you know, lose by 40 points one week and then go and win yeah, by yeah. 20. Then You know, they're pretty consistent. And as you say, they haven't been getting thumped domestically. They've just been on the wrong side of the results. And I mm. think... Yes, that type of performance there will just keep on keep that momentum shifting in the right direction for them. And I'd be I'd actually be really disappointed if Newcastle weren't top six again this season. Well, look, let's have a look at the European uh, Rugby Challenge. Very shortly, going to talk to Rory Duncan, the Worcester Warriors head coach. But as far as English sides go, disappointing uh, and reasonably heavy defeat at home for Saints. Still work in progress there. I think a uh, good win for Queens fifty. 4-22 against Ajon and they got a good away win for sale, 41-24. Um, but the fact is that uh, Worcester Warriors, let's face it, they, I think, have surprised people this season. Certainly the shock battering of Bristol was one that was uh, made everyone take note and, you know, they've raised themselves you know, off the bottom and things seem to go in the right direction. And I'm really pleased to say we can now speak to Rory Duncan, who is the Worcester Warriors head coach. Hello, Rory. Hi, Rory. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Okay, mate. Um, how do you um, prioritise league and European rugby? Look, I don't, you know, it's not really about prioritising. It's about, um, you know, we kicked off our, you know, um, the campaign, obviously, with the, with, uh, the Premiership. And, um, you know, a lot of those players played the, the, the three pre-season games leading into the Premiership, plus, you know, six full games in the Premiership. So, um, you know, at some stage we had to give them a break. Um, and and we decided that last last weekend um, we were going to rest fifteen players, mm-hmm. so that's exactly what we did. Well, look, Stad have won twenty three out of twenty six Challenge Cup home games to that point. Uh, when you looked at that, what did you uh, stress? What did you work on? <laughs> I must be honest. I, I, I you know I didn't look at that. I didn't actually look at this <laughs> statistic. But um, no, look, we, we 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 obviously had a look at what what type of team they were. We we you know we. We try to identify potential weaknesses, and, and um, you know they're a 
they're a momentum territory team if you if 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 you want to you know, call it that. They're a team that relies on their big forwards to 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 be, you know give them a bit of momentum to get them into their face play. Um, they don't do a lot of playing in their own half. We knew they were going to kick ball to us, so we obviously had to try and come up with a plan that was going to going to you know put put us in a position to to compete for the game. And um, just just a quick point, actually, if we were around the clocks to this time last week, obviously. Stad had just beaten Cast at Cast, hadn't they? The week before, I think, in the in their uh, in the French league. When you're kind of half looking at that, are you, are you just ignoring that completely, or are you actually, you know, you thinking, goodness me, if we can come out of this with a win, that would be a fantastic effort. What was it? What was your kind of mindset going into it personally? Look, you know, I'm 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 pretty sure it's the same with most coaches. You know, what you do when when you analyse the opposition, you know, you don't sort of put them on a pedestal. What you do is you look at them and say, listen. These are the opportunities. Um, this is what our team you know, is capable of or, 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 or can do. Mm. Um, you know, this is how we can potentially beat them. And you go out and, and uh, you know, obviously rehearse that the week. We were just fortunate enough to play with, with a bunch of players that were so hungry for game time, so hungry for, for opportunities and really wanted to show what they were capable of. And what does um, and uh, that do for your selection process next week? <laughs> well, it does. it's certainly a challenge. It's certainly a challenge. I mean, we've got, uh, uh, you know, we've got so many capable players in our, in, in our system. We've got some really exciting youngsters, um, you know, that are getting, coming through in our academy structures as well. So, um, you know, from a selection perspective, it, it, it's a headache, but it's a nice headache. You know, it, it's nice to be in that position where there's competition because it, it certainly brings out the best in the players. What I'm sure you're uh, not pleased about is the uh, broken leg for the what summer recruiting Welsh international Ashley Beck. Do you have the cover? We are we are in a position where where, where we do fortunately have 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 cover for him. But um, you know, there's going to be big boots to 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 Phil Ash had a great preseason. He 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 came through really nicely, and um, you know, we were looking for the right opportunity to be able to give him game time, and and what you know, obviously hoping that this game was going to be it. Um, you know, unfortunately, three minutes into the game, having an, you know an injury like that, seeing him being being carted off on a stretcher wasn't a great um, uh, you know great picture uh, for us. But um, you know, we 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 had in the bench Maynard Ulafia, who hasn't played for for quite some time. Um, you know, Springbok uh, uh, International, but um, you know he certainly stepped up and um, and and did his did his thing. Uh, Rory, I know you're going to tell me that it's always one game at a time. You don't want to look ahead any further. Uh, however, um, how far do you think you could get in this competition? Okay, if I can't say it's one game at a time, I'm just trying to think of something else. <laughs> uh, look, do you know what? We, 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 we haven't actually said, listen, this is where we want to get to. And then, okay. I mean, everybody talks about top six. I mean, you know, any club will be, you know, certainly coming from the position where we were in, uh, you know, last season, that would be lying to say, oh, we don't want to be top six. Of course, we want to be there. But um, really what we focused on is, is, is we said we, we want to try and get consistent performance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we want performance week in and week out. And, and obviously to try and build on the performance from, from the week before. Um, and I've said, it, I've, I've said it on a number of occasions that, you know, this club is, is a club that's got so much potential. Um, and, and if we can just do what it takes to fulfill the potential of the club, I believe we can go. We can go a long way. Rory, thanks for joining us and good luck with the rest of the campaign and in the Premiership. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's Rory Duncan, the Worcester Warriors head coach, who is obviously doing something right. Yeah, and the thing is, it's quite interesting talking to him. 
it is the old school answer or the, or the very safe answer to say one game at a time. But actually, what's wrong with living by that way and going, you know what, lads? Well, gonna... acti- well, to be fair, practically, that's the only thing you can do, actually. Yeah, yeah no, and don't get me wrong. He might have a plan behind closed doors yeah, he's, yeah. that he's got amongst management. But actually, at the moment, for the players, as he said there, he's got a really enthusiastic group of players. They've done a really hard job there going and beating Stad away from home mm-hmm. because Stad now might not turn up. On the road, so mm. they've got every chance of trying to of trying to top that um, table. And if they can get through to the the quarters, then who knows? You know, the Challenge Cup. You can't turn your nose up at winning the Challenge Cup anymore. No, I think I think it, t- it still takes a, a good effort. You know, look at Clermont. Clermont are in this Challenge exactly. Cup, and and La Rochelle. You got some very good teams in. I think any one of these sides manages to go on to win it, they'll be absolutely delighted. You know, even looking at Sale um, against Perpignan, Sale put out a stronger side, the French didn't bother. Um, but again, suddenly Sale will be looking at it and thinking, you know what, why can't we go and win this competition? And also, you can't underestimate four teams like Worcester and Sale, where they find, find themselves just off the bottom now. These sort of wins, however they're uh, uh, achieved, especially when you play French opposition, because away from home, you never know what to expect. You always, uh, the potential to go badly wrong they can just decide to turn up one day and give you a spanking so uh, come back with a lot of confidence yeah and also you're going into some of these environments are quite hostile aren't they yeah you know, they you, are, and, you, and that, that brings out a bit of character of the player mm-hmm. you've got young lads going out there and people are shaking on the cages on the side of the pitch and they're having to learn mm-hmm. and they bank that experience and then they remember that for the future so that they're not caught out in a year or two's time when they're coming up in, in the main competition, you want to call it that, mm-hmm. against against these big sides. So, look, I think if you look at it that way, it can all be character building as well. Well, we are now 11 months and five days, not that we're counting, uh, <laughs> away from England's World Cup uh, debut in Japan. That's where it starts. You have to have some sympathy, and it's a measured amount for Eddie Jones, given that the players he knows he wants to pick, quite often he can't, and that the uh, outstanding players, of which Billy Vonapola is one, probably bar none actually, keep getting injured. Now, there is cover in the English game, but it's not like for like, necessarily. It's, I'm really glad that you brought this up, actually, because I want to show how boring it is in my house. When occasionally <laughs> we'll have dinner parties, I'll ask the, the normal the rugby lads that are around, I'll say, look, come the World Cup in 11 months' time, who are your starters for England? And actually, the only players when we're going around, the only positions that we're agreeing on are the two Vunapola brothers. They're the only ones that I find everyone in the room agreeing on. And then other people say Farrell and we'll all well, agree. Farrell somewhere. But we're saying Farrell somewhere. Yep. So what we're saying is we think the Vunapola brothers are probably starting. I'd say, well, maybe Itojay. And someone will go, well, I'm not sure. Is he going to be back row? So they're the only two nailed down. Now, I was going to ask you, when we are 11 months out, I reckon the Irish probably know half their starting side for the oh, World no, Cup. Oh, no, more. Or three quarters, yeah. More. And I'm a little bit concerned that we don't know more than two <coughs> players and they're both injured now, or Excuse one is. Me. I tell you what, the Irish, I think Joe, Joe Schmidt probably knows very nearly the 23 he wants. One mm. or two people might force their way in through form. One or two people will not be available, unfortunately for them, through injury. I'm not sure he will necessarily know who will be starters or whatever you call them, impact players sure. or substitutions. But his squad. But his yeah. squad. Yeah. Now, are you, con- you say, are you concerned about that with England? Yes, I am. I'm nervous about Yes, that. I am, because when Eddie Jones came in, the three egregious areas of deficiency were, in no particular order, um, the centre partnership, yeah. the back three composition, and the balance of the back row. Mm-hmm. And those are still a concern yeah. after three years. Now, I think, and I don't know at what point it will get to, he is going to have to say, for example, with Itoji, 
I'm going to play you as a second role mm-hmm. or whatever yep. and get him there and get him in the partnership with which he wants to feature. Yeah. Same with the back row. At some point, he's got to make a decision. If his decision is, we haven't got a seven like Hooper, mm. we're going to make do with a Brad Shields or, or whatever, then fine. He stands or falls by that. Yeah. And he can try and mitigate it by saying, well, you point to me where, you know, our Richie McCaw is. There isn't one. Yeah. But whatever combination it is in, like the back three as well, mm-hmm. you've got to have some familiarity. You can't just chuck players in and say, they're all great footballers. Yeah. They've got to have some familiarity. Absolutely. They've got to be familiar with each other, know the way each other play, be able to slot into each other's position if someone's out of position. Just have that almost silent understanding of each other. Well, as you know, mm-hmm. back three, I mean, you know, is, is he going to play Brown on a wing or at fullback? Where's Elliot Daly going to play? Uh, and so on. You keep switching these around at some point. It's not about not declaring your hand. We all know what New Zealand are going to pick yeah. very close to within one or two. Yes. But they say, right, this is ours. You, you, you go and beat them then. Yeah. At, at what point does that happen? Because we're creeping closer now. If you're looking at it in the England camp, actually, you've got basically three mini camps, if you want to call it that, because you've got the autumn. That's one chunk of time. Yeah. You've got the Six Nations. That's another chunk of time. Then you've got the World Cup, pre-World Cup games. Yeah. So, and by that time, you've got to be completely finalised as far as so I'm concerned. They've got three windows there. That's it. Yeah, I know. I mean, it sounds, you know, 11 months, five days, people say there's still time. There, it's rapidly closing to the point at which actually it's too yeah. late. Yeah. I, or if it's not too late to find something, it's, it's not ideal. Yeah. You know, New Zealand are in a position now where I was talking to Sean Fitzpatrick about this. Brody Rutlick might not, he, he probably is fit now, but they're just saying rest. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, we're aiming for this for you. Yeah, you know, you you yeah. take time. And the with, way they did with Richard McCaw. Yeah, with lots of players. Sent him on sabbatical and whatever and, else. And, and whatever. So, you know, you, you when, it helps when you've got, um, you know, players like, uh, you know, Ardy Sevilla Seve- and, yeah. and other people to come in, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But that's a situation which you wanted to be in. Yeah. And at one point, when they were, you know, beating all before them, and there was nothing inconsiderable about that. That was a tremendous achievement. But mm. the problem is the, the upward trajectory curve is not, a steep, if at all, at no. the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Big concern. Um, at some point, as you say, he's going to have to cart them out and he's going to have to put his neck on the line and go, yep. right, you're my guys, you're my core, yep. and I'll tweak around it. Yeah. Do you think he will? No, uh, if we ask him to, I'll definitely not. <laughs> so we might just tell him not bother and he might do. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, looking forward to the next round of European rugby, which is always going to be great. The standout ties, I suppose... Uh, on paper, Leicester's clash with Scarlets. They've got top opposition. They'll do with it at home, which is good for them. Um, but having you know, been where they are, inconsistent form in the league, if they could uh, win that game, it would be uh, quite a notable achievement for them, wouldn't it? It would be a, an, a massive achievement. The only thing you've got to say is... <laughs> Can you see it? I just, you know, on paper, that Leicester side, I actually fancied them to do a job the other day on, on Ulster. But then you watch the performance and you're just mm. thinking, you know what, something's clearly not right there. It's very obvious for everyone to see. We don't know what it is because the players, the names on the paper are pretty good, but you've got to go out and put the performance on the field. And I just I just can't see it coming from anywhere, to be honest, from Leicester at the moment. Well, Chiefs are away at Castro. They're the sort of team, if they play their potential, they can they can win that, can't they? I I I think that the the stability of Exeter 
is is their main their main plus. Yeah. I think the way that Cast turned up with a slightly second team the other day, I think if anything, that draw might make Cast put out a better side yeah. being at home, yeah. which is obviously against Exeter. So I think had they've got turned over at King's home the other day, they might have played the same side. Um, I just think that Exeter have got that foundation, that base level game uh, that that could turn up. But you know, if, if a, fr- a first strength Cast nasty pack turn up, then then it could be a tight one. Yeah. And Gloucester, this is a difficult challenge now, uh, away at Munster. I mean, <sighs> Munster always at home is a is a more difficult challenge, but when you see the way they've been able to uh, resurrect the game from what's been fairly average Guinness yeah. Pro 14 form, then it's a sort of fixture if Gloucester have pretensions to being the club they want to be, yeah. that they've got to face with no fear. Now, whether they come away with a victory is a different matter. but I think it depends which uh, Munster side turns up. If it's a side that's been shown the domestic league... Gloucester have a chance. If it's a side that turned up against Exeter, I'm really sorry to say I don't think Gloucester can live with that intensity. Mm-hmm. That intensity of that game, I can't get my head around just how much of a, a step up that was. And I've talked to lads that do commentary on the on the um, the Pro 14, and they're saying, look, they just haven't seen that performance from yeah. Munster this season. So I think it's less about Gloucester, more about Munster for me. I think... Gloucester will be hoping maybe Munster take that performance from last weekend for granted. And if that is the case and they go back to being a little bit sloppy in areas, Gloucester have a chance. Saris, um, home game against Lyon. Uh, the fact is they've got injury problems now. He's equally as well as the only Polar Brothers. Two broken nose, I understand. Jamie George uh, and so on. So, look, they've got a good squad. They've got a big squad. Yeah. They play much better at home. I don't think Leon will welcome going to Allianz Park. I, I think I think Saris will blow them away. I think it'll be a 20-pointer. Leon lost at home to Cardiff. Yeah. They could completely close up shop now and think about the league. Um, I think I think Saris will win comfortably. And Falcons, again, another ground that Montpellier won't go and like to either. I, I must admit, I think the same. I think Newcastle are going to take so much confidence out of that performance. I think they could just, they could rattle um, Montpellier at home. And I think, uh, again, I'd be really disappointed. I think Newcastle, having done the hard work of going to Toulon and winning, would be so frustrated if they lost at home this weekend. And who knows with Wasps and Bath, who knows which incarnations will turn up and when and where. It's a toss-up, isn't it? Yeah, I, look... I'd like not to be able to say that, actually, but and especially for Wasps. I mean, yeah. the two, you know, the, the Lalio era, uh, mightily efficient, whatever 15 was out, mm. they did a, a minimum standard of a job and whatever. And at the moment, there's too often where I see Dai Young fronting up, to be fair, but saying, look, we just weren't good enough in this area. Look, this bit let us down this week, that bit let us down last week. I think Gopeth being injured is a big loss for them. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's not about one player, but, you know, you've got key individuals. Uh, I think he's very good for getting the pack going and good for talking to the, the group. Him being injured is not great, obviously. Dan um, Robson is also mm-hmm. injured now. He's been outstanding for the last 18 months for them. Um, Willie LaRue, who knows which time zone he's in at the moment? Well, that's, the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's back and forth from, uh, from, from international duties. I bet he's got a lot of air miles of it. Yeah, I bet he, I bet he has. He's probably <laughs> flying business the whole time now, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's always turning left. Um, but, but I think, I think in, in, in an unfortunate case, Wasps have almost gone downhill from where they were. I think the last few seasons have been a consistent top four side. If you yeah. ask me now, do I think they'll be top four this season? I'm probably going to say I'm not so sure. Mm. And just uh, finally, the, probably the, well, I say the tie of the round, uh, to lose away is never easy with their tradition, but this is a shadow of the hegemonous European champions that they were for, you know, so many years, and they're now facing a side that's trying to be like that, Leinster. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a big uphill battle for Toulouse. Look, the only thing is they t- they'll take a lot of confidence out of that performance the other day, mm-hmm. um, a huge amount. You're just looking at the Leinster 
their all-round game, and I'm not sure what area Toulouse will beat them. Yeah, like a lot of coaches who face them, you've got you've got a, a question of relative strengths, haven't you? Not weaknesses, precisely. And that and that's the thing. You're seeing a more complete performance, a more rounded, complete side in Leinster, and, and you know, unless they can get the supporters behind them, the pack get nasty and manage to win them over. But I just can't see the Toulouse pack turning over the two, uh, the Leinster pack either. Well, we've looked forward to the Champions Cup fixtures that are coming up next week. Let's look at the Challengers Cup fixtures, the ones that involve uh, uh, English interest. Uh, Bristol. I think Bristol away from home. They got a nice win last weekend, didn't they? Mm. Um, again, a lot of these sides in the Challenge Cup, it depends on what type of side each each side are going to play. Yes, it does. Are they going to go out with starters or are they going to go out with their bench side? And I think going away from home, I think the Bristol against Zebra, look, Zebra improved, actually. Zebra improved. Zebra, I think the Italian sides have shown form. And they're probably been looking at things and thinking, you know what, we've got to be targeting some of these home matches yes. because they want the ch- the Challenge Cup for them would be like winning the, the Champions Cup mm-hmm. in the politest way. And I think it would be a very good effort. I think I think it's a fascinating game. Where do I think the money, where do I think the results will go? I'd be interested to see, to be honest with you. I think Bristol will be backing themselves after a good first win, but Zebra would probably be disappointed if they didn't win at home. Dragons and Saints, I mean if, there, if ever there was a tie where you could see both coaches saying, uh, I'm not that bothered. I mean, they wouldn't say it publicly, but, you know, private thinking, look, there are other things to work on. However, then when we're talking about momentum and trying to get sides playing well and trying to get them to the elusive wins that just sometimes spark a season, um, I, I can just foresee this being a, a really turgid game. I, I must admit the same. Imagine, imagine when we were talking to Rory before and saying we're just taking it one game at a time. I think if you spoke to either of these coaches, they'd probably say, I'm thinking of three weeks' time when we're yeah. back in the league because yeah. it's a dire affair for both sides at the moment. I don't see how they're getting a lot to play for. I think they'll probably want to give their bench guys a run out. Um, it, it's just not very It's not very pretty for Northampton at the moment and Dragons have also been struggling. So it won't be one that I'll be setting the recorder for. I think I'll happily um, get an early night. And what about uh, Sale? Uh, Sale, for me, I think this are a side that looking at the the squad they had at the start of the season, especially the backs, because I don't understand forwards, but you're looking at some of the key players they've got in the backs in Ashton, Mm -hmm. uh, Yard, obviously O'Connor now... um, um, the Solomona yeah. and and Fafta Clerk, you know that's a pretty well. De Clerk will make a big difference because he was sensational for South Africa. Absolutely, and he played the other day in the game they won away from home, mm. um, which I think there was no coincidence. In yes, I think Perpignan put a weak inside out, but I think when he plays, he's basically a fifteen twenty point swing on the score, mm. in my opinion, for them. I think that they'll be targeting this this um, cup now. So for me, I think that Sailor. In my opinion, Sale are definitely the side I'd be fancying to uh, to win that game, personally. OK, well, that's all we have time for this week on the European special of Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Thank you very much to my co-host, Jim Simpson Daniel, all my guests for their contributions. And please do subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode. And why not write a review whilst you're there too? Good or bad, we don't care. Feedback is always good. But now, it is time to say goodbye.